Welcome to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today three new films, including Hugh Jackman, who plays former presidential candidate Gary Hart, who was caught up in a scandal way back in 1987. It's a film directed by Jason Reitman. It's called The Front Runner. And funny lady Melissa McCarthy stars in a very serious drama. She plays a struggling author who forges and sells famous autographs just to stay alive. It's an Oscar-level performance. It's a film called Can You Ever Forgive Me? And the Coen brothers, the great Coen brothers, are back with a Western, and it's told in six short parts. It's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. The first two films this week deal with darkness of character, making the wines from Prisoner Wine Company perfect pairings. And for the Coen Brothers' new Western, we'll toast the Wild West with the spur from one of California's oldest wineries, Murrieta, as well. First, Gary, let's talk about our first two films. Okay, there's a lot. I've been watching the ads for this film for a long time, Mm -hmm. and finally the films arrive, and it's The Front Runner, directed by Jason Reitman. And we love Jason Reitman. Didn't he do Juno? I think he directed. No, I just know he did Up in the Air. Which he did we Up both in the love. Air, and I think he did Juno as well. But I, I, I just I, he did. He's really a good filmmaker, and he's Ivan Reitman's son. And it stars Hugh Jackman. Of course, Hugh Jackman had a runaway hit a year ago in The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman, absolutely, just, just fantastic, fantastic. It still course, makes me cry. I've seen it like ten times, and every time I watch it, it makes me cry. It but was. I'm a it was on cable yesterday. Yes. It was. A, it's a stop down, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because you kind of wait for the moment. Yeah. Oh, I want to see this song. Yes, or that we love song. The, the music's great. But we know him all the way back to Wolverine. And you know him back to seeing him in Oklahoma. So can I tell uh, the story again? I think you've done it. Yes. Well, but. I want to tell it again because it, <laughs> it always just amazes me. So I'm in London, and I think I'm there interviewing Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant for um, Notting Hill. Notting Hill. And a couple other films. And I have an afternoon off. So I go to the Saturday afternoon matinee in the West End, and I have to go because it's Oklahoma, which is Southwest America, but it's the it's the Broadway musical Oklahoma, starring two Australians I've never heard of. One was Hugh Jackman and the other was the female lead was the the chief dancer in the Australian ballet company. And then but it's in London, so it's a British production. Yes. Of an American musical starring (laughs) Australians. I've got to go. i never seen or heard of Hugh Jackman. My jaw dropped the entire thing. It was so brilliant. And they ended up recording that production in in the West End in London. They released it on, Hmm. back then, VHS tape. Mm -hmm. And it's called Hugh Hugh Jackman in Oklahoma. It's so funny because on my my little Spotify uh, music that I listen to when I walk and such, Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of show tunes and sometimes you know spotify like like puts in music that they think that you'll like like a pandora or something mm-hmm. like that and that entire like oklahoma soundtrack has come up on of hugh jackman? yes of hugh jackman and at first i was like is that him oh yeah and so kind of looking at the notes and everything yeah it's fantastic it's a fantastic like, voice his like voice a is insane yeah. yes and then he, you know, he went on to star in Broadway and won a Tony Award and all that. And we know we know that he can sing, but yeah. back then we had no idea. So every time I would interview, because I started interviewing him yes. for Wolverine, every movie, I would walk in and I would break into song and he would pick it up and take it. So and I just love that guy. So we love Hugh Jackman. So Let's talk about the film. <laughs> so he's Gary Hart, which is the former senator of Colorado, who becomes kind of the front runner for three weeks anyway. Yes. Uh, for the Democratic presidential nomination, this is back in 1987. He, you know, he's a smart guy. He had charisma. He's real idealistic. He was very he popular hair. with young voters. Had good hair. <laughs> um, he was married and with kids. He had kind of a clear path to the White House, and it all came crashing down in literally three weeks 
with an allegation of an extramarital affair. And there's a girl on a boat, and there's photos of Gary Hart and this woman on a boat. And it's about those three weeks. It's about that campaign time of the rise to power of what could have been for him and then the the massive fall. Uh, And it forces him to address his scandal. And it kind of derails him and his personal life and his marriage at the time. Vera Farmiga plays his wife, and she's got some moments in this film that are great. And, of course, she was in The Departed, and she was the girl opposite Clooney and Up in the Air, Mm -hmm. another Jason Reitman film. And and, uh, here's here's my problem with this film. Is it brings up the dilemma because we have so much information now with the current president that one thing like this that happened back then derailed an entire destroyed an entire career. Campaign. Now, not just a campaign. Like, now have it, we heard of Gary Hart since then? No. Yeah. And now it doesn't matter at at, at all. At like, all. Nobody seems to care. Or, or it didn't matter in this campaign. It, it's. It might in the future, but it has not mattered at all for the last. Two, three years, four years. Well, this is what's so crazy, and I think that this is really the the start of having... There were references in the film that, with, like, the news guys of, you know, we didn't talk about JFK's women when we didn't talk about LBJ's women. We, you know, kind of had a handshake deal. We weren't going to bring that up because, because your... You know, how you lead the country is different than how you lead your personal life. And I almost want to say it's a separation of church and state, but maybe it's a separation of family and state. It's, and it was a separation you know, at the time, I think, going that, on of the press and of personal life. Personal. Well, and it's like if you if you talk about that kind of stuff, then you're a story for the National Enquirer when the National Enquirer was – a trash rag. Yeah. Now I think, you know, people think the acquirer is probably great journalism because right. this is this is how far we've fallen. This is how far journalism has 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 fallen. I completely agree. You know, it's it's we we stepped into a world of if, if it bleeds it leads, yeah. if it's scandalous then then that's your headline. And it's and it's really it's really really shocking. But the other side of it is I I I do think it's interesting how a scandal ruined this career. Scandal. Think of all of the John Edwards. Oh, all of them. You know, it just Clinton. took one. It's, it's these these horrible allegations that have come out through the years, and now we have a president that that continues to have so many just blasphemous, terrible occurrences that he laughs at. That he that he that he no. mocks. Mocks these women that are that have said that he assaulted them right. and that he groped them, and he thinks that he has a right to, and that's what's just—it's just despicable. So there was a moment back. I remember in that campaign. I remember when all this happened, and I had just—I think I had just started in the newsroom. I think I was probably eighty-six, eighty-seven, starting in the newsroom, and and when it happened, I mean, it was so scandalous at the time, but. But Gary Hart actually said to the press in an interview, follow me, follow me around, mm-hmm. because that line that you just mentioned wasn't crossed very often. And, you know, journalists weren't interested in your personal life. They were interested in your political life. And But when he challenged it, it made them so, okay, we will. Mm-hmm. He said it. He asked mm-hmm. me to, so I did. And this is what we found. Mm-hmm. And everything's kind of changed since then. Mm-hmm. And, and I – so – 
having said all that, I think this conversation is interesting. I don't think the film's that interesting. So, because in, we mentioned this kind of stepping out of it and, and reflecting on it, you said it was kind of a cliff notes of... I felt it was... Of, I, the, of, of the actions of, of really three weeks. And my whole thing was, you know, in a two, we watch two-hour films sometimes that cover thousands of years. And I feel like I had more information and a more in-depth experience than this film that covered three weeks. That covered three weeks. Uh, yeah. So we're in agreement yeah. here? Yeah, oh, completely. Yeah, and at the same time, I think Ivan Reitman's, and I can't speak Jason. for him, Jason Reitman, that Jason Reitman is making a film that it doesn't really comment. He's not He's not here commenting like, oh, look how horrible things are now, and look at this no, back no. then. Yeah. He's just, he's showing how what happened and, and how it is. And so all of that is interesting but it's we've seen it a lot. We've mm-hmm. seen it a lot in all these newspaper films. We saw it in the Post, mm-hmm. um, and they're dealing with the Washington Post here too. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen a lot of that. What that newsroom angle kind of works, and none of that's very new. I think all it's handled really well. I think the film's very well made. I didn't care that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't. And I don't know if that says something about me or just something about the film. But the film didn't jump off the screen for me. And I think he would, I think he's wearing a really weird, awkward wig the entire movie. Um, Listen, I like Hugh Jackman. This is not uh, an Oscar-level performance, yeah. I don't think. And I mean, you know, I think the film's a good film, but not a great film. Yeah. Yeah, I give it a B, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't give it a B-plus or a B-minus. I'd just give it a B and, and leave it at that. But it's worth seeing. Well, and that's, I think, yes, cause it, because it brings up the greater conversation today. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm... It's I good to have in the there. background of the conversation that today, it's so disheartening today right. to look at that and go. It's like, wow, that ruined your career? That that's really, nothing now. <laughs> that's kind of nothing now. I totally agree. Can we talk um, about this Melissa McCarthy film? Yes. I'm all in here. This is a movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? It's an odd title. A lot of titles to movies are starting to get longer like this, uh-huh. you know, and make statements. Can you ever forgive me? We know her from Bridesmaids. She was she was nominated for an Oscar for Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. Isn't she the one that sat in the middle of the road in that dress? No, no that, that was, was that was one of the other bridesmaids. Yes. But I, that was the bride. She was the kind of rough one that'll yeah, yeah punch you out. Yeah, and we've was, seen all these comedies from her. And we've right. all got to know her on television she's and and also Sean Spicer in the movie. In the, she's great as Sean Spicer <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. She yes. runs over you with her podium, <laughs> her, podium. her mobile podium. Gosh, she was in the female version of Ghostbusters. All of a sudden, uh, she plays Lee Israel, which is a, a real-life person uh, who's no longer living, but it's the best-selling celebrity biographer, and she had cats. But she wrote in the 70s and the 80s you know, autobiographies of like Catherine Hepburn and Tulula Bankhead and Estee Lauder. And Dorothy killed Gallen and and then found herself pretty much living in a very dirty, musty apartment. She's kind of a hoarder. Yeah, very much a hoarder. She and, doesn't clean either. It's and doesn't filthy. clean. She has kind of no skills in that area and and really poor and broke. And really cynical. And cynical. And, and thinks and that her Kind of mean is, and angry. Oh, and, yeah, she hates the world. And so she keeps going to her, her publisher, which is actually uh, played by Jane Curtin from Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. who was in the Coneheads, mm-hmm. uh, who's really great and a mm-hmm. nice little part. So you have these comedy people in a serious film that I think is in the upper 90s in Rotten Tomatoes. I think this is one of the best performances of the year. I really like this film. I like the way it's made. It's a director I don't know a lot about, Marielle Heller, who did Transparent mm-hmm. on television and won an Emmy mm-hmm. for it, and Diary of a, a Teenage Girl. It's got Richard E. Grant, uh, the British actor, who is kind of a... 
gay sidekick to, to her <laughs> uh-huh. and kind of a partner in crime. Uh-huh. Very much so. Because what she does is when she runs out of money, she starts selling stuff and she's trying to get an advance. I need $10,000. I need $10,000 so to write another book and nobody wants to advance her. Well, and it's because she really was, from just my research on who she was, it sounded like she was more like a a, a magazine writer. Yeah. Like she had, she had long kind of... Um, essays in in various publications versus like long form novels or right. something like that yeah and she did have a book on the shelf that yeah. didn't sell it didn't sell yeah you know and they they mocked that and kind of referenced that but she's really down on her luck and she starts forging famous autographs and selling them to autograph dealers and uh, and that whole world is kind of fascinating mm-hmm. that you can have an autograph then how do you authenticate an autograph mm-hmm. and of course all of that catches up with her because you might be able to get away with it one or two in forging. She has an old typewriter that can re- replicate kind of old type and letters that letters. Catherine Hepburn yeah. wrote or something yeah. like that. And, you know, like Greta Garbro wrote this. And and then these dealers start, oh, I have a client that buy that right now for $1,500. I'll give you 400 for yeah. it. And she starts paying her bills, and but she never cleans her act up. Yeah. And it's she's a mess. She's headed down a bad road. I think this is a... I think this is one of the better films I've seen this year, actually. I like it a lot. Um, it's it's hard, mm-hmm. and she's great in it. Mm-hmm. She's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of all these comedians. Like you know, we, we know Robin Williams did this, and uh, and you know, we know um, Eddie Murphy kind of did this. Mm-hmm. He, these stand up comics that become really good actors. So many of them now uh, that can do it. But back in the day, it, it, it didn't happen very often. But she's one of them that I think's got so much in her. I think she's all in. I think she's kind of lost in the character in this one. I'm watching her, and I don't see a lot of the other stuff that I always see. I see somebody who's really hurting and really cynical, and I don't know. I could never probably hang out with this person. Mm-hmm. She's really sour. Mm-hmm. She's she's bad. <laughs> she does some bad things, you know. And you you kind well, of feel sorry for her, no, but, but not that much. But exactly because her whole, I mean, her cynicism is. She's not doing anything to change her. To, to change her life. Like, she she thinks that it's the world's fault that she's not able to, to get anything published. She'd rather go sit in a bar and drink herself to right. death because she is very much an alcoholic, um, as is her sidekick. Yeah. And that's kind of how they bond throughout this film. And, and uh, there's uh, she's not trying to improve her situation. Even if she had a whole bunch of money, she wouldn't improve her situation. right. right. Um, She'd be she, she and and that's you know how many of those people there are a lot of people out there that are that are just she'd be Shirley MacLaine and Bernie yeah she'd just, just be angry at everybody all the time yeah. with a bunch of money just hates the world yeah just and hates and feels like the world's against her yeah and has that kind of mentality that it doesn't matter how much money you have so in real life what happened to her so just from from the research I had done on her she um, was convicted of. Um, Forgery. Forging, yeah, and I think that she had a maybe six or nine month house house arrest sentence, and then five years probation or something like that, mm-hmm. and then went on to write her autobiography called "Can You Ever Forgive Me?" Yeah, um, based on this whole act, and basically, you know, it was kind of the I think that when it came out, there were a lot of people that were kind of scorned by her. And and you know that had had purchased these things, and obviously had that she had 
um, lied to were really angry that that they actually, I think Simon & Schuster published it, and they were really angry that they did because basically she now made money off of what... Off the bad stuff she did and then wrote about the bad stuff and sold some books. And sold some books. Wow. So it's interesting, though, and it's interesting. I think that um, Melissa McCarthy is perfect for this. I think that um, Julianne Moore had been attached to this for Look a at few you, years. movie knowledge I did, woman. Because I was, I was just really curious about. Do you want to ask me about why? Her, <laughs> but it's and and we love Julianne Moore, and that yeah, would have been an interesting kind of to see her take on this character. But I think yeah. Melissa McCarthy is is yeah. really great, and uh, she does. She makes a lot of these very silly, funny, like like I don't know. She did that Boss movie, and she, yeah, the she boss. did yes, she. I don't know. She did one where she went back to college. Right. That I watched it on a plane. It was actually kind and of cute. sorority. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're cute in. airplane movies. They are. They're great. And they're, and they're usually raunchy. <laughs> and they're really good for you know <laughs> passing, passing the, the time. time. This is on so, another yeah. level. She's she's yeah. she's great. I think she's in the conversation at least for an Oscar nomination for this. When we come back on Cogel One and film a perfect pairing, Haley's going to have her two pairings, both fitting for our first two films that we just discussed. And the Coen brothers have a lot on their minds in a new six-part Western, premiering both in theaters and on Netflix, and it's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And we will be right back. The holidays are here, and if you haven't tried wine access yet, right now is the perfect time. Finding great wines to share the ones you love makes the holidays, I think, a whole lot better. And wine access makes it so easy just to drink the best. Yes, Gary and I love to entertain during the holidays. But toasting with those you love is not always affordable. That's why we love wine access. They have found some of the most extraordinary wines, premium quality, that you won't find on every other store shelf at great prices. Like their 2014 Louis Latour Marcinet Blanc AC Cote d'Or. It's steely, it's fresh, it's balanced, it's a gorgeous Chardonnay with white peaches and stone fruit, and I think a complete steal for $24. Oh, I like a good Chardonnay for $24. Wine Access's philosophy is that there are wineries offering higher quality wines at better prices than what you'll find in most stores. And over the past decade, their team of experts have tasted over 20,000 different bottles, from the smallest vineyards to the most iconic winemakers, and they only select the very best to offer us. Wine Access shares their full story with us as well, where the wine comes from, what makes it so great, and they'll deliver the wine right to your doorsteps. It makes it so simple, Gary. And we want you to enjoy these fantastic wines for the holidays. So have some fun. And we've arranged this exclusive limited time offer with Wine Access. You're going to get 20% off these wonderful wines that already are at a great value. But the only way to get this offer is by going now to our special website. It's wineaccess.com. Slash Cogill. And for full details, go right now to wineaccess.com slash Cogill. That's C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Okay, Haley, you're going to pair two wines with the two movies that we just talked about. Yes. I'm up for the challenge. I'm, I'm dying to hear. <laughs> I'm dying to hear all about this. Okay, so from Prisoner Wine Company, which we know the prisoner, they have blindfold. I think they have two fil- two wines that actually do really well with both of these films that include the films, you know, it's all about lying and cheating and deceit, career-ending action. Yes. <laughs> so they have two wines. One is called The Snitch. The Snitch. Which in both films, there is a snitch. Yeah. 
I don't know if I want to give it all away, but obviously, no, you know, somebody yeah. had to tell that Gary Hart was having this affair. Right. Duh. And, such, yeah. and there is a sidekick snitch in the other one. So, um, so this is all under the prisoner umbrella. Yes. It's under the prisoner wine company. Like yeah. I said, they have several different wines. They have Thorn also, which is yeah. like a, they have good wines. Yeah. Um, they have some, some, you know, they're big wines. They're, they're not bashful wines. They're very, um, so the snitch Chardonnay, um, very, very kind of, it's a winter white. It's a it's a warming Chardonnay. It's it's big. Yes. It's, it's not the steely kind of. Is it of buttery? Chablis style. Yeah. It's, oh, it's okay. It's a it's a nice kind of in your face. Their other one I thought would be perfect, especially for both of these characters that were kind of immediately silenced in their action, though. The Melissa McCarthy character did go on and write a book, but they have eternally silenced, eternally Pinot silenced Noir, Pinot Noir, which I thought, especially with Gary Hart, because have we ever heard from him again? Not much. <laughs> Not much. I think no. he hadn't. Nobody had really said his name until this film came out. I think his out. wife and them all stayed together too. Well, and yeah. I mean, I think that you know this. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so, but. Um, they're both big wines, you know. The Pinot Noir, it's it's spicy, it's slightly oaky, it's fruity, it's kind of that that whole California very um, ripe fruit style of Pinot. Then Chardonnay, very kind of over the top kind of. So both of these characters in these in these two creamy, movies are are, yeah. are are kind of big bold characters. I mean, one's mm-hmm. one running for president, mm-hmm. one's an author and yelling at everybody. Yes. And not that these are wines that yell at you, no, but, no, but, they're, but they're big. They're, they're big. Yeah, they're not trying to stay obscure. Not at all. There's nothing. Um, I, well, and I, but I like, like I, I will drink these wines. Yeah. I'll drink a prisoner. I'll drink the blind. I actually really enjoy their blindfold um, yeah. white wine that they that they made from kind of a Rhone blend. They're not. They're just not shy. They're just very, very. Um, they're they're. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Ref- I don't want to say they're not refined because they. It's just their style is to be very um, big. Yeah, they're making exactly what they want. Yeah, yeah, and and doing very well. They just opened a massive new kind of tasting room in Napa that is very high tech and beautiful, and um, so they're doing very. You know, they're doing very well with what they're doing. Every time I walk by, uh, and I, I see a lot of wine bottles in a, in a, in a store um, or in a wine shop. I see that prisoner label. Mm-hmm. I go right to that prisoner label. Mm-hmm. We've had that wine quite a bit. They're, they're, I've always liked it. It's yeah, it's a Zinfandel based blend. Yeah. It's it's just a big fruity, spicy, jammy um, blend that that is kind of a, a good food friendly wine. Yeah. It's higher alcohol, but it does have you know kind of that good pairs well with a good steak that kind of kind of thing. I know we have lots of friends that that do enjoy it quite a bit. I think one of the bottles that people grab off the shelf and take when they go to a person's home is a lot of them grab the prisoner. I've had we've had people bring it to our house quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because so, yeah. All right, you want to talk so about So yeah, the so yeah. eternally silenced okay. and the snitch for both of for both of these. I think the, I two, were, those are two of the best titles we've ever paired. <laughs> are a perfect pairing. I think they yes, are. Yes, let's talk about the Coen brothers. Okay, the Coen brothers come along. I, we are fanatics. I, I am a fanatic about the Coen brothers. Yes. These guys can do no wrong. I don't think they've ever made a bad film. They've made a couple films that weren't as popular as the other ones. But when we go back to all the way back to Blood Simple and Fargo and 
Oh, um, oh my gosh, No Country for Old Men. It goes on and on and on. And Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. <laughs> would that you were. Would that you were. Uh, they, they're, they're amazing movies, and they're funny, and they're odd, and they have random acts of violence in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, this one does too. Mm-hmm. And so this new thing that we're starting to see, because we talked about it with The Outlaw King, is that Netflix is starting to produce, buy-in, finance, Major feature films. I think, yeah, and uh, they're and they're premiering them on Netflix and in a handful of theaters around the country, and that gives them Oscar consideration. And we're going to see. Well, I think yes, because Amazon yeah. is doing it, Hulu is doing it. Hulu, All of yeah. these kind of platforms have started have started having this. I mean, but I think CNN has done this also. I think yeah. HBO does this also. Yeah. I think that if you can, if you can obviously get your film released in a handful of theaters, then then you become available Oscar, for yeah. for award consideration, right? Um, but then, yes, you open in kind of on the smaller screen as well. Well, I think it's, it was really exciting for me to know that we could turn on Netflix, something we already pay a monthly very, fee for. very, excited. And <laughs> there's a new Coen Brothers yeah. movie that, that usually you'll get a new film that you don't care about that right. much. But we've gotten Outlaw King, this, and that's, it's going to happen with Roma, which mm-hmm. is a big, big film coming out in December. So it, it's in six parts. I don't know how I feel about it because I admire the film a lot. I didn't really love watching it, mm-hmm. but it's technically, like all Coen Brothers movies, kind of amazing to mm-hmm. watch. And shot in the in the in the Wild West. Shot it opens like it's the opening scene almost from The Searchers with John mm-hmm. Wayne, like a John Ford from where you see all these rock formations in the Southwest. But it's six little character studies of uh, of reminiscent of kind of playing off on a lot of the things that we see in westerns like a like a a card a card game and a brawl in a you know in a saloon mm-hmm. you know uh, a stage a coach, wagon train a wagon yeah. train sequence and, yeah. and they're all about 20 minutes long so it's got Tim Blake Nelson who plays Buster Scruggs who opens the film and he he plays like almost like a ukulele almost mm-hmm. and a guitar and and uh, and sings Liam Neeson's in it James Frank uh, is in it James Franco uh, Zoe Kazan, where do we know her from? She was in um, the the Big Sick. She wasn't. She, she was, was the girl, girl and the she was sick. also. She's been in it several things. She's an adorable actress. Yeah. yeah, she's great. Yeah, and Tom Waits is in it. Who's you got that? Tom, I love Tom Waits. Got that gravelly. I love Tom Waits. So, do I like all six of them? Are they all tied together? Yeah, some of them, like three or four of them, I'm kind of indifferent about. And I kind of want to watch them again because I think I'm missing something. But the opening one has shocking scenes of violence. Yeah. And it's comical. And, you know, it's like it's like a, a guy that's never been defeated with his gun. Mm-hmm. And so everybody wants to come and, you know, face off with him in the town. And he'll just shoot you right. <laughs> and then just random acts of violence yeah. about that. But then he's also, you know, he's a he's dressed in white and he's... He, he's he has, Buster Scruggs. Exactly. He has this persona of, I'm the good guy, but then, man, he's... I'm he's the good a, guy, but he's not. <laughs> he's a feisty one. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, the whole outlaw thing, it's kind of like high noon in the middle of the town, you know, do, do you draw first or draw second? Yeah. And and then and then it's just randomly, weirdly violent, like most Corrin Brothers movies are. But it's a real sweet one with her, with the, the actress you're just talking about. Um about a wagon train. And I think that's my favorite one Mm -hmm. because it had a sense of sweetness, melancholy to it. And I think the first one's kind of my favorite one. And I think the last one just kind of ended with like, you know, in a stagecoach and 
I don't know. They look like they're all in the stagecoach to hell. But I, I'm not sure what the Coens are saying here. But once they finally get there, it's kind of over, and, and then the movie's over. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna just rethink this and watch it one or two more times. It's an interesting way to do a film, though. I mean, it's, it's. We haven't really seen a lot of films like this no. where you take. I mean, I think in the past few years, what you had the the Bob Dylan film where you had a lot of different actors kind of playing, playing him. him. Right. But we haven't really seen like six mini films. All tied together by turning a page in a book. Yeah. It's like each one's a chapter in a book. In a, book. a wild book. But I don't book. know. Yeah. Like, but why do yeah. all those chapters equal? Because yeah. usually at the end of the book, you, you have some sort of. Yes. <laughs> this is what it all has meant. They don't all meet in the last yeah. episode. And, <laughs> or, or just what and the, kill each other. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the kind of what's the 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 purpose yeah. of the of the book? I but don't know. But it's so. It really I mean, just as with all Coen Brothers movies, the sound and the cinematography and everything they do, every movement has a purpose to them. I'm not sure I got it on the first viewing, and of course, it's different to watch it at home than mm-hmm. in a theater. You know, I, you, I'm not sure I'm paying as much attention. As I would in a movie theater, and because uh, you can stop and pause it, and, which happens. Then. So I, I, it's new to me, but I get very excited about yeah. being able to watch movies at home and, and not go to the theater all the time for this. So I think I, I think it's really good. I, I just don't know how much I liked it that much. So I admire it. I'd recommend it. But I'd be curious what other people think of this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be fun. This is it's a fun film to talk about. Good. Yeah. Good. So I thought it'd be fun to have a, a westerny pairing for your westerny film. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> that sounds more like Star Wars guns. <laughs> that so sounds lightsabery, not in, Wild West. I was going to say, in the 1850s, the days of the Wild West, yeah. uh, Joaquin Murrieta, um, who at the time was considered either an outlaw or Robin Hood, which we love those, and his posse roamed the Sacramento Delta. They rounded up wild Mustangs to sell in Mexico. <laughs> so Wow. Um, and one of their kind of preferred campsites was this um this what is now a winery in livermore california so um i don't know what 45 minutes outside maybe an hour outside of san francisco um and on this property was a well and that well supposedly had like the cleanest water that that joaquin had ever had so that um through the years in 1884, a Frenchman named Louis Mel fell in love with the estate, purchased the land, built um, one of the earliest wineries in California um, into the hillside of, of this property and brought original cuttings from Chateau de Kim as well as Chateau Morgueau wow. that supposedly are still, you know, kind of some of those original cuttings are still um being farmed today, mm-hmm. um, it is. It was sold to the Wente family. I want to say in the 30s, um, but wasn't really kind of kept up. I think the vineyards were kept up, but maybe not at the winery. But then in the 1990s, the winery was refurbished and became an active working winery again um, called Muriet as well. Wow! It's a really so. My sister and I went there. Years and years and years ago. And it's a really, really kind of charming place. It's really cool. And it does, you can kind of tell this history and and how is special it is. Is the well still there? The well is still there. It's kind of, um, I don't think that they're 
getting water from it. It's more right. just like a landmark of yeah. this is this, you know, kind of old well that and all this. You can't lower me down in a bucket. You can't lower me down in a bucket and find gold. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it's a really, you know, it's when we think of California wine country, our mind, especially Northern California, you kind of automatically just go Napa Sonoma, but yeah. there's some really fantastic wineries in Livermore and there's really great history. If you think about Concanon and Wente in particular, um, they've been farming for over a hundred years and, and you know, this, this land in Livermore and, and producing some really like Petite Syrah was kind of started by the Concanons in wow. Livermore and, um, and great Bordeaux varieties. And, and again, just because all of these immigrants eventually kind of, as they were migrating, Towards the, towards you know the the wild west, a lot of them former kind of gold diggers that, when they kind of either had made their money in gold or they made their money as trappers because a lot of them were fur trappers and that sort of thing, and then all of a sudden they needed to settle down and what they do they bought a lot of land that yeah, eventually land. became really really great vineyard lands which became wineries yes so um in the nineteen uh, in 2010, so winery kind of refurbished in 1990, 2010, to mark the 20th anniversary, they came up with two different, a red and a white wine. The white is called the whip and the red is called the spur. <laughs> so um, both very westerny, which I thought, but the spur in particular, it's a Cabernet blend kind yeah. of um, celebrating their history of, of this really great old world kind of Bordeaux style blend, um, Cabernet based, earthy, but still very, you know, kind of fruit forward, lots of cassis, lots of cherry, lots of plum, um, affordable and, and kind of a, I, I think a fun little story. Who knew that Joaquin Marietta yes. would just wander on and saunder on up to the bar? One, we're going to make <laughs> wine. Someday. Had no idea when all that started. So That's funny. the perfect tie-in. Well, that was my bad John Wayne, wasn't it? From the 1850s to the Spur Cabernet Red Wine. That's right. I love that. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More great films either in theaters or on demand, along with wines and pairings that we think are worthy of celebration. But for more on our discussion today, please follow our blog on kogelconsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncourt. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha.